We continue the series today, Give and Take, in this season of stewardship. We talk about what stewardship really means and how we too are to apply it to our lives and how we are to apply it to His church, the investment we need to make in His church, the commitment we need to have in His church. I wonder if you would join me today as you stand and we read from the tax collector's gospel, the gospel of Matthew, starting there in the 25th chapter in the 14th verse, a story that I am sure you have heard before, but hear it again with new ears, see it again with new eyes. For this is what Matthew writes, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of these servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. Well done, good and faithful servant, the master said. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will, more be given. And he who has abundance will have much. But from the one who has not, even one talent will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be much weeping and gnashing of teeth. God's blessing upon His Word. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Gracious Father, give us the ears. Give us the eyes. Give us the heart. Help us to hear this Scripture, but apply it to our lives. Help us to know just how important the talents you bless us with are. Help us to be wise in using those talents. Reveal it to each and every one of us here today, Father, that we may not be afraid, that we may not think about that which we do not have, but think about how using that which you have so richly blessed us with. 
And I would ask, Father, that I disappear into the shadows of the cross, that these be your words, not my words, and that each of us may hear that which you want to tell us and have the courage to apply that to each of our lives. We lift up this prayer in the name who has been lifted up for each of us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. When I was about uh, 12, 13 years old, I was on the Green Meadows football team. I was an offensive guard and a linebacker, but I wasn't very good. I didn't have much talent. We had a, we had a good football team, but as a result of not having much talent, I spent most of my time dressed to the nines in my green and white uniform sitting on the bench. There were a lot of players a lot better than I was. And then one Saturday afternoon, one of the linebackers got hurt, and I heard those words I'd been longing to hear from the coach. Stiff, get off the bench and get in there. I don't even know whether my feet touched the, the grass going out there. I was going into the game. It was my time, the big time. And I played linebacker. But I did so at first rather safely because the quarterback on the very first play handed the ball to the running back, and I just followed him down the line like this. Coach kept saying, get in there, Stiff, get in there, tackle him. And I was a little hurt. Here was my chance to use the talent, and I wasn't using it properly. So the next time, I charged smack dab into the line. And the center, the offensive center, pancaked me right there. So I got up. Third play, the running back starting to go around the, the end. And one of my teammates reached out and stripped the ball, and here I was behind my teammate, and there on the beautiful green grass was the football. Now, I remember this. I don't know exactly what I looked at, but people who were there that day told me it was the most elegant spread eagle belly flop on the top of that football with the rest of the football team piling on top of me. I didn't have much talent, but for that one golden moment, I was an all-pro. I was MVP. I recovered the fumble. We won the game because I had gotten off the bench. And I'd use what little talent I had. The story you have today is about talents. It's about the story of a man who entrusted his servants with his goods. And a talent in Palestine was a measurement of weight. So if this man, this master, had given his servants silver, for example, that talent might have been about $1,000. And you probably look at that and say, well, $1,000 is not too much. Until you remember that until quite recently, in the country of India, the hourly rate was 87, 97 cents an hour. So $1,000 would be a whole yearly income. And the economic conditions were the same in Palestine. Matter of fact, this man, $1,000, he would have had a, a whole yearly income. He would have been considered very well endowed by his contemporaries. And it's interesting as you read this story, this parable, the word talent is what we use in the English language to apply to what we call a natural gift. So the talents that we have, these gifts that we have, very apropos. Here's the master giving the talents out, five and two and one. He was giving them out according to their ability. Why do you think life is that way? You know, we're equal in everything else. We're equal in God's eyes. We're equal, guaranteed equal rights under the Constitution of the United States of America. 
In the election, all our votes count equally. But when it comes to our abilities, we are as different as different can be. And I think that's a good thing. We are as different as different could be because God simply did not make us all the same. He didn't give us all the same talents. There are some people who can handle five talents, some people who can handle only two, and maybe there are a lot of us that can just have one talent in this life. There are some people with great intellectual abilities, and they do wonderful things. Maybe that's not your talent. Or there are some people who can articulate their thoughts, either speech or written, and you say, geez, that's wonderful, but that's not you. Or maybe there are people who have an artistic bent of some sort, spatially or voice, and they use their talents in a very artistic way to make beautiful music. Or perhaps there are people with a certain amount of physical proudness and physical beauty. Don't you just envy those people? They just look gorgeous. They can do anything effortlessly. They have a talent. Maybe you don't have that talent. I don't know. The important thing to remember is that in this story, each servant was given a talent. No one was left out. You may not be a five-person or a five-talent person or a two-talent person, but every last one of you is at least a one-talent person. And in fact, I might go so far as to say every one of you has more than one talent if you will look deeply in yourself. There are a lot of people in the world that perhaps have five talents and perhaps have two talents. But if you'd concentrate on the one talent that God has blessed you and used it fully to the nurturing and to the growth of his kingdom and the growth and the nurturing of this church, can you imagine what would happen? But you have to be focused in being a good steward of your talents. The landowner went on a journey. When he came back, he held each of his servants accountable. The one with five talents came forward and said, hey, I invested it. I got five talents more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two came forward with two more. And the master once again said, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the one came forward who only had the one. And he said, sir, I I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. So I'm returning to you what was originally yours. Here's your talent. And the landowner was incensed. He he called him slothful. He called him wicked. He angrily, he took the talent back, gave it to the one who had ten talents, and said, you didn't even use that which I gave you. It's interesting to note here in the 25th chapter of Matthew, there are three parables. One, two, three. The parable of the bridesmaid, the parable of the sheep and goats, the parable of the talents. And in each one of these three stories, the word, the phrase is used after a long time. After a long time, the master returned to hold his servants accountable. And perhaps this is Matthew's way of telling us that maybe God's not going to show up this afternoon or tomorrow or next week or 2018, but sooner or later God is going to show up. And when the time comes, He expects us to have used what He has blessed us with wisely to the glory of His kingdom. God expects a return. 
And it's obvious that the main character in the story today is the one that dug the hole and hid his talent. And we really don't know why. The story isn't told to us. We'd have to speculate, and I'd like to do that just very briefly with you today as we talk about the stewardship of talents. First, I'd like to say perhaps this man didn't do anything because he feared failure. He did not want to fail. He knew that his master was a hard man, and perhaps this man did better under supervision. But he was left on his own, and he was terrified And so he dug a hole and buried the talent because there it would be safe and he wouldn't be held responsible. And sometimes we look at that and say, how foolish that man is. But I think our our foolishness, our feeling of foolishness is misguided because I wonder sometimes if this man wasn't acting like most of us would act. He wanted to be a good, conservative businessman. He didn't want to waste somebody else's money. He was not going to risk someone else's money in some type of speculative venture. Seems like the older we get, the more conservative we get. Is that right, folks? Yeah. The older we get, the more conservative we get. Someone once said, if you're not liberal when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not conservative when you're old, you don't have a mind. There's a lot of truth in that phrase. Some of you are replaying that even as I speak it right now. Some of you are playing it. If you're not conservative, especially when you're old, you don't have a mind. Maybe this guy was an older gentleman. He was using his mind. He had a tendency to want to play it safe, not go out on a limb. He didn't want to do anything wrong. But you know, risk, isn't risk a part of life? Isn't risk something that we do every day? Sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. Any of you who have ever fallen in love You've had a certain amount of risk involved with that because you can love somebody, but there's no guarantee they're necessarily going to love you back. God is the same way with the thing he's given us. He wants us to take a risk. Think about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If he didn't take a risk, perhaps we wouldn't be here today. Life is filled with risk. You take them every day, even in a conservative way. And I think one thing this parable teaches us is that we need to take a risk because if we are going to be faithful to God's will, God will not let us fail if we are faithful and trust in His will. Not ours, His. Secondly, perhaps this one talent man hid his talent because he was playing the game if only. If only, and all of you, including myself, have played the game, if only. If only I had been given the talent of the other two men, I could have accomplished something with my talent. If only I had her ability, I would teach the Sunday school class. If only I had a really good voice, I would sing here with the men's ensemble. If only I could tell the difference in colors, I would be down here ringing with the bell ringers. If only I had enough time, I would serve the church. If only I had enough money, I would support the church in all of its ministries. If only, if only, if only. It's a dangerous game we play, folks. 
Because it lets us off the hook. It allows us to rationalize, if only. I love the story that Paul Harvey tells. As soon as I tell it, some of you will look at me strangely, but most of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. He talks about a 38-year-old scrub woman. And on her days off, she would go to the movies. And she'd look at these beautiful actresses on the screen and say, Oh, if only I was as pretty as she was, I could do something with my life. Or she'd hear somebody sing a beautiful song, and she says, if only my voice was that good, I could be a wonderful singer. And then someone gave her a copy of the book, The Magic of Believing, by Claude Bristol, and it changed her life. I wish I could tell you that somebody had given her a copy of the Bible, and it had changed her life, but I have to give credit to Claude Bristol today. And she read the book, The Magic of Believing, and it changed her life. She stopped crying about that which she didn't have and started concentrating on what she did have. She took an inventory of all of her talents. She remembered in high school how everybody thought she was the funniest girl in the entire class. She could make everybody laugh. And so she, she ended up down that journey. She became a comedian, a very well-known comedian. In her time, she made over a million dollars a year, which doesn't sound like much today, but during that time, it was a lot of money. And I don't know about you, but to me, it's still a lot of money. And she was rather wild-looking. You know, frizzy hair, wild-looking. She had a crazy voice. Some of you are going right now, who's he talking about? Crazy voice, a bombastic laugh. But boy, could she make people laugh. You got her? Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller stopped thinking about what she didn't have and started concentrating on using the talents that she did have to make people laugh. Maybe God is saying the same thing to us. Stop complaining or wishing that you have more. Use the gifts. Stop crying about what you don't have and concentrate on what you do have and start using it. Use it to strengthen my church. Use it to invest in my church. Use it to bring others to know Jesus Christ. I remind you that on the last day when we stand before the judgment throne, I don't believe God is going to ask you, well, how important were you in the church? Or how much money did you give? Or how many different committee positions did you hold? I think more importantly, he's going to ask, were you faithful in using the talents I blessed you with in the spot that I planted you? Were you faithful using the talents I blessed you with in the spot where I planted you, which today is Centenary United Methodist Church? My final point to you today is that I'm not sure either of these first two points really apply. They probably apply to all of us to some degree, but I'm wondering if this man with the one talent really suffered from this last problem the most. He felt that his one little talent didn't make any difference in the world. Whatever little talent he had didn't make a hill of beans. I think there are a lot of people who feel that way today. I dare say if you took a a poll 
on why people don't vote in an election. They just say, well, it's just one vote. It really doesn't make a difference. Don't you ever think that way again? Because it most certainly does. Every person has a talent that is worth using. Leonard Bernstein was a wonderful conductor. He wrote West Side Story, along with a number of other things. But he was practicing one day with the, I think it was the New York Philharmonic. And the the orchestra was there, just, you know, hundreds. The chorus was there. And in the back was a piccolo player. You know what a piccolo is, right? It's a little, it's a baby flute. It's a little flute. But for some reason, the piccolo player decided, you know, what I do is not really very important, and he stopped playing. And it didn't go very far, and Leonard Bernstein said, hey, hey, where's my piccolo player? Because sure enough, Leonard Bernstein could tell when the piccolo player was not playing. What seemingly was unimportant to that piccolo player was important to the vast scope of the orchestra and the chorus and the score itself, and the conductor knew it right away. Think about the church, all these different people, all these different talents. We can use them in so many different ways to teach, to sing, to ring bells, and God knows it when you're not using your talent. Sometimes we think, how could my contribution possibly make a difference? So we stop playing like the piccolo player. We stop doing what we've been given to do. We drop out, and I can assure you, God immediately knows that you just dropped out. I wonder today how many piccolo players I'm preaching to. How many piccolo players are out in the congregation Those who have just simply dropped out of the orchestra because of pain or exhaustion or insecurity or laziness or misbehavior or you just simply don't care. How many have dropped out? Are you convinced that your small little talent doesn't make any contribution in the big scheme of things and you simply decided to bury it in the ground hoping that no one notices? But I can tell you the conductor does. The creator does. And if you happen to be one of those piccolo players that have stopped playing or just don't want to play, I encourage you to change that. I implore you to start using your talent for the growth and the nurturing of this kingdom and for the growth and the nurturing of this church, your church, his church. You know, when I spend hours every week working on a sermon, I don't know whether it's going to make a difference in anybody's life. You know, I could just stop. Come up, read the scripture, go home. Nobody say amen. How about the choir when they work back there? Or the men's ensemble? Or the rainbow ringers? They could just stop, but they don't. They don't. I don't know whether it's going to make a difference, but I do know if I don't try, I'm never going to know. How about the teacher that helps a troubled student at church or at school? I don't know whether they're going to make a difference, but I do know if they don't try, we're never going to know. How about the people out there mowing the lawn? Bob, where are you? I'm surprised he's not out there mowing it today, because if he stops, we're going to have weeds three feet tall out there. How about the people teaching Sunday school? How about the teacher, people teaching Sunday school? If they stop, we won't have any Sunday school classes. How about the people cleaning up in the kitchen? If they stop, 
We won't have anybody serving out there. Everybody has a talent. Everybody can use it to the growth and the nurturing of this place. Sometimes we're just simply stupefied by the enormity of the problems that we deal with. Poverty, hunger, racism. Sometimes we think, oh, mine is just a little talent. What difference can I make? I want to remind you, as somebody reminded me after this morning's service, if the good Samaritan hadn't stopped on the road, he would have never saved that man's life. It was a small thing to get off the donkey, but he did. He used his time and his talent to help that man get back to health. Are you doing what you can? Are you using the talent you have? Or are you digging a hole and hiding it and hoping that nobody sees it, piccolo players? Let me leave you with a story. A preacher was a guest preacher in a rural church. He got there early, came into the narthex, and up on one of the walls was a little wooden box with a slot in it. And he thought, oh, this must be a way how they help the poor in the community. They, they put a little money in there, and they take it out and use it as helping hands. And so he took out a $5 bill and put it in the box and went into the church and preached a wonderful sermon. Everybody thought it was great. And on his way out, his host was with him. And they were out there in the, in the narthex. And his host turned to the guest preacher and said, uh, Preacher, I need for you to know that we're a very, very poor church. And we just don't have the funds to pay our guest preachers. So we put up this little wooden box here so that people could contribute and hopefully pay you. And then he went over and opened the box and took out a $5 bill. He said, whoa, you do better than most. Usually you just get a dollar and 50 cents. Here's your $5. So the guest preacher went home. He was with his family that Sunday afternoon, and he told them everything about the incident. And his daughter piped up and says, geez, Daddy, if you put in more, you would have gotten more. Isn't that true for us? Isn't that true for us? When we are confronted with the opportunities to use our talents in this church, if we would put in more, we would get back more. We need to be good stewards of our talents Everything that we have been given, and we need to start using those talents, not hiding them, not thinking they don't make any difference. Start using them. I know that half of you are out there going, I'm not sure what my talent is. Find out what it is, and let's use it for the kingdom. Let's use it to glorify God. Stop whining. Stop playing the if-only game, and let's get on the bus together. And start making a difference in this church, in this community, and in the kingdom itself. But if we are to accomplish what God expects us to accomplish, we can't sit around. We can't say, nice sermon, preacher. We can't say, you know, if I only, uh uh-uh. No. We got to get up. We got to get busy. We got to get off the bench. Would you bow your heads with me, please?